You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. I'm Aprom Kivalevich, and I'm here with my friend, Rav Nelson Notaglik, in Ashkelon, Eretz Yisrael. And Rav Nelson, this is our fourth program, but it's a program that, um, despite We've tried to deal with timeless, important ideas that are not affected by events that are surrounding us. This is a a period where, at least in the United States and I think beyond, um, the idea of activism, the idea of um, strong activism to try to get things changed, perhaps wrongheaded and uh, incorrect, but it's in the, (laughs) obviously it's something that has been analyzed, it's in the air. Um, not even speaking about necessarily the, the siege on, on the capital, but just the idea of, of, of the world changing, of how people can change things in the world. It gets me thinking, um, Nelson, about um, the varied history of mystics who started a movement that wanted to generate change or push, pushing change. Um, and the reason for is because as much as there is this internal world of of wisdom that we've been talking about, it's meant to generate a difference, a difference that we daven for on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but also a difference that was 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 uh, very uh, passionately felt and, and passionately hoped for by Kabbalists um, through the generations. And I think there's a little bit of a fault line uh, between the Mekubolim that wanted to see actual change in the Bria and Mekubolim that were sort of living, um, in, a, in I would say, in a um, contemplative, uh, if not speculative, but contemplative way where like some of the things that we were talking about the last couple of weeks of the Lummus and the Partsufim and the Spheros, that of course are there without necessarily showing a difference here. Uh, last week, I tried somewhat unsuccessfully to get you to uh, take, uh, to take debate on Sabbateanism, where uh, one of the main thrusts of that was, well, we're going to change the world, and the world will, will be different than Shabtai uh, Tzvi, based on this new perspective or this perspective from the Zohar, and uh, abetted by that he was going to go and march to the Sultan and overthrow uh, Islamic control over swaths of North Africa and, and, and other parts of Turkey and things like that, which of course didn't happen. Um, not to mention Eretz Israel. I mean, he was fishing, you know, he's, he was going for bigger fish than North Africa. and uh, Right, right. In other words, and, that uh, would somehow, going to Eretz Israel, of course, would have been the Meshichut. And um, you know, I'm going to throw in here something, a statement that I've heard often. Uh, that when Rav Cook was asked about, um, you know, the 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 foot, uh, I don't know what you would call them, the footfalls of mess of the Mashiach, which were even before the terror of World War II and the the, the murder and everybody coming back there to show, people were talking about this seems to be something going on. Oh, it, 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 you know, the, the, the heels of the Mashiach, or it actually means the footfalls, as you say, of, of, uh, of Mashiach, you know. So, so Rav Cook was saying that it really can't happen until the Pope is uh, pushed out in Rome. 
um, that there will be an overturning of, of, of the hegemony of Christianity. So we definitely have this um, idea that Kabbalah is, and, and I'm going to use here a term that I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, and many of our listeners, I hope, are as well, the difference between um, uh, speculative and practical Kabbalah, that there were practical Kabbalists uh, who actually wanted to see things and, and, and actually were poil things in the world. And this, of course, a big build-up here, uh, because um, what I'm trying to build up to is a specific character, specific person, uh, who is well-known, as I think we've discussed yesterday when we were talking about what we're going to talk about today, is well-known for what he was trying to do in changing the dynamic of, of the world. Um, uh, and that is the the great Makubo Rabafrom Abolafia, um from Spain, and um, I don't know what exact city that he was living in, but I know, I think it was in uh, uh, Catalonia, I believe, and uh, that section of Spain. And I know, you know, that he Actually, is... he was all over the place. He was he was really all over the place. He wandered around a lot. And, um, but, but, but he... And he... Go ahead. Okay, well, his his lifetime coincided pretty much with the turn of the millennium in in Jewish time, the you know the end of the Elifa Hamishi and the beginning of the Elifa Shishi, okay. which I think and, which I think um, we saw there are there are indicators whether it's in the Zohar or other places that that millennium change would mean uh, even the Makiris in the in the significant Shoshana, that would be the beginning of some new thing and he was at least from the records that. That we have was was intent on helping generate that change. That the Elif Hashishi, when it would start, right, the year twelve forty, right. would be actually really as as as, as the Mishnah says in Rosh Hashanah, right, uh, the Alpayim of Mashiach, right. That would have been right. That's what it says. The there's the Shnei right. Alpayim Tohu, Shnei Alpayim Torah, right, and then and. Okay. So, and like I, like I said, I think I pointed this out in one of our previous conversations that we all got a very, very bad, bad, bad surprise at the beginning of Alpayim years of Yemesha Mashiach. There was no Mashiach. Not only was there no Mashiach, the Roman, the Roman Empire went, uh, uh, went Christian. So you got the anti-Mashiach, you know. Um, and, and then you have Islam. So, like I said, you have a situation where you have two other religions, which are both which are which are, which are both referenced in Sefer Bereshis. I mean, amazingly enough, this is like almost prophecy. Okay, you can consider the Rome. You can consider Rome. Okay, Asav, regardless of whether you think he's genetically Asav or not, simply because he is our twin. You know, Rome after Christianity is claiming that it's the new. Israel, that we're the old Israel, that you know you're the fraud. No, I'm the real thing. We're the real. We're still the real thing. You're the phony. Okay, so you have that whole Ace of Yaakov dynamic that's going on over there, uh, in the, with the relationship between Jews and the and the uh, Byzantine and Roman or Roman and Byzantine Empire, once it adopted Christianity, and then you know, and then along comes Yishmael, 
and resurrects the old conflict of Yitzchak and uh, you know Yitzchak and uh, and Yishmael, and and uh, you know so the so the Arabs say well we have you know we have a new revelation of the Quran and the Quran is 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 purged from all the corruptions that you have corrupted the Torah so which is why you should all really listen to you know listen to Muhammad, but if you don't want to listen to Muhammad we're not necessarily massacre you because I'll call upon him you know your 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 Am Hasefer, okay, um, so after. So that that's the year. So, it, so yeah, so so it comes it comes back to an argument between Judaism and Islam that's also based on some of the replacement replacement theology. We are the true, uh, you know, we are the true Islam. You are the Islam. So no, we're you know, we, first of all there is no true Islam. We're real Yiddishkeit, and you are Islam, and you want to do it, you know, listen to listen to Muhammad, do whatever you want. We don't have any bother, you know, we don't, we don't have any beef with you. Um, and and Al Kopani, it comes down to an argument of who is the Ne'ekad, you know. Was 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 Yitzchak the Akeda or was was Yishmael the Akeda? And according to according to the Islam's according to the Muslims, one of the ways that we corrupted the Torah was we switched. It was really it was really Yishmael. And they right. have a whole holiday of Idel Idel Fitr, which is which is Chag Korban, but that celebrates the Akeda. The Akeda is Yishmael. Right. Right. So, 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 the, so we, I think just, just to, so the just the Elif the Elif Hamishi was terrible. Right from the year, which which let's say from the year using a secular or Christian dates, that was from the year two forty to twelve forty, from two forty yeah. to twelve forty, from the year four thousand to five thousand of Kriya from Brias Ha'olam. You're right. It's like well, uh, not, not only is there no Mashiach, but Christianity anti-Mashiach. Yes. You know, I can I can say this on this podcast. You didn't get Mashiach. You got the Antichrist. Okay. <laughs> Right, Christ it's, meaning it's Christ meaning the Christ meaning Mashiach. One. Right, that's right. that's all. That's all it means, really. So, so and 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 the by the way, the whole, the reason why the Christians would have a concept of Antichrist is because it's a you know it's kind of a um it's kind of an insurance policy. What happens if the Jewish Mashiach shows up? What are we going to say then? Oh, so we can pull out the Antichrist card. Yeah, okay, we've been expecting him. You know, he's the, right. You know, um. So like, anyway, the, Rand, the yeah, Randall flag. One one last one last thing I got to say, okay, is is that is that by Yaakov fighting the Malach, is Vatikabekaf Yerach Yaakov, right? That's 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 the Indian of Gidanosha. That's the, the 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 blow that was struck to Yaakov's thigh. Question: Which which thigh? Right thigh or left thigh? Okay. Presumably, presumably the left thigh, because the left thigh would correspond to Mida Sahoid, which would correspond to the Elifa Hamishi, you know, and 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 Hoid is as is Dava, as in as in as in loss, as in loss of blood, as in loss of life, you know, Dava Benida, right? So so the whole so the, the whole Elifa Hamishi with the Roman Empire, with Christianity, with Islam, it's all wrapped up over there in in. in in Yerach Yaakov. Now, this is spooky. I mean, this, I think, I personally, you know, the 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 isomorphism between that and, and actual history is is downright spooky. Mm-hmm. Okay, but um, so, so people were really expecting the thing situation to change dramatically when you got to about the to the twelve hundreds, as you say, twelve forty. Right. So what happens is is that let, let's use your metaphor from the from the pasukim. So Yaakov, uh, although he is limping, we limp through. From the year four thousand to five thousand, but then there was getting to Peniel um, and and seeing the face of God. And if we're going to use 
you know, your 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 roadmap uh, from Parshas Vayishlach, then we could say, and this is what I, I can I don't have Abalapi in front of me, but I believe this was part of it that now things were going to change. That right, and and part of it was going to change. The fuel for that change was the insight and understanding that Abalapia brought to the table in terms of the giluyim that he had of what's really going on in the Bria, of what's really, you know, the things that we were talking about in terms of Hishtalshut uh, and, and, and Spheros and other things. Somehow, uh, it's not just Abalapia is not some Rambo figure who's going to go and, you know, knock everybody down. He is armed, so to speak, and with he's the he's sort of the uh the agent of knowledge of his Gaulus Hadas that is somehow gonna knock uh and I think he was on his way to Avignon or somewhere <laughs> where some one of the there were two popes at the time, I think. So it, he was on his way to one of the popes to to somehow meet with him and that would somehow you know, obliterate even, the power even of Christianity. That, even, even before that, I, I, I had heard, okay, I mean, I, I'm sure that I read it somewhere, and, and you know, I, I try not to make things up, that as a, as a young guy, in his, you know, in his, in his earlier years, he, he traveled as far as Eretz Yisrael, and his basic kavanah in going there was to check out the Aseris HaShavotim, who were coming back from the Far East, and absolutely decimating the whole Muslim empire, okay, and and we're and we're making some serious inroads into Europe too, and we're you know kicking the junk out of out of uh, lots lots of Christians in, in in Europe just as well as they did the Muslims in in uh, in um, the Middle East, okay, and it was one of the great downfalls of the the Arab Empire was was being was being completely destroyed and taken over by. By Aseris Ashvatim, check it out. They must be Aseris Ashvatim. They're coming from over the river Sambation. They're coming from really, really far away, and they're hellish warriors. They're natural-born killers. These people, except that they weren't Aseris Ashvatim. They were you Mongols under under <laughs> under Genghis <laughs> under Genghis Khan. Okay. They did, they did really, really great throat singing. You know, they could sing like three different notes at the same time, but uh-huh. they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't the Sarah Sashvatim. And Avulafia figured this out pretty quickly. So he just, you know, he just turned around and went back to, went back to Europe. Most of the time he spent on Mediterranean islands like Sicily and, um, and Malta. He was in Rome for a while. I mean, he traveled around. He was, he definitely got around. So the, and he was trying to tr- find Talmudim in every place that he went, and it, you know sometimes it sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But, but he clearly was. Uh, it wasn't just contemplative uh, trips. He was he was scouring the the physical and geographical and political landscape to basically, uh, you know, begin heralding in a new age. Right. This is what he felt. It wasn't just I, I need to take trips in order to expand my 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 mind. Uh, the expansion of mind that occurred was part of the expansion and change that would happen in in the Bria. Let me just say an interesting uh, parallel to what you said about the Sarasvatim. We know that the students of the Vilna Gaon, um, who made it there at Yisrael, Vilna Gaon himself famously turned back, but many of his students and Rabbi Yisrael uh, Sklover and the Rivlins and many of the other uh, 
uh, people who became known as the Perusha Yerushalayim eventually. Menachem Mendel Chaver, right? He was he was he. Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac. Menachem Menachem Isaac Chaver. Whatever. He never made it there to Israel, but his Kabbalah, his Kabbalah did, and and to the Right, the Leshem eventually becomes like the extension of Kabbalah Sagoin. But here's the point. There was also letters to the Aserah Sashvotim. There was also in the 19th century by the Talmud Agro, uh, again, I think it was Rabbi Yisrael Sklover, sent a letter to the Aserah Sashvotim. We're going to bring them back. So the idea of actual aggressive uh, activist messianism is, is not that strange. And, and, and it makes sense that somehow the wisdom, without necessarily leading to Sabbateanism, uh, but that the that the wisdom should be tethered and should be centered on differences in the physical reality. And, and again, we talk about Rav Kook's statement that is pretty much on record. We can also talk about the Chardal Chevra, who I know you're mm-hmm. familiar with in Eretz Yisrael, who believe that it isn't enough, and we know that they wear the white yarmulkes and they have big payas and they, they learn, uh, you know, I'm not sure if they learn Kabbalah, but part of their idea of mysticism is making a change on the ground, correct? And, of course. And, and, and by, by conquering Eretz Yisrael and getting rid of the Arabs there, that, it's only by doing that, those actions, that, that, that all the promises that are so elaborated in mystical works will actually come to fruition. Uh, have I said it correctly in terms yes, of Yes, you know, you, you, you've said it very correctly. I just, I'm going to try to put a little bit of historical perspective on that. Okay. Um, I, Abu Lafia, I believe, or, or actually, actually, listen, he was a very, very from Yid. He had the, you know, he had the uh, bad luck of being uh, put in Kherim by the Rajba, which made, which drove his writings underground for many years, but he's extremely influential and and quoted, I mean, quoted by Rabbi Chaim Vital, quoted by the Ramak, and, and people, people put his, put his practices into, into practice. And his, his basic idea was he wanted to reawaken Navua. And he thought that he had the best, the, the vehicle by which to do that. You could sit down and you could meditate and you could do his, do his, um, you know, do his, uh, do his exercises, so to speak, and, and you could and you could get to Navua. And to some extent it works. Okay, it really it it really works. I mean it, you know it, it even worked for Gershom Shalom once upon a time. But but you know every every Hasidish Rebbe, I in my opinion anyway, every Hasidish Rebbe whoever emphasized that my divertirer that I say at a at a tish are spontaneous revelations that come through me but are not of me. Like they said about the Chernobyler, you know, Menachem Nochemi Chernobyl, that when he was going through his writings, he threw out everything that he could remember having said. And he kept everything that didn't come through his conscious mind. Because that's the Amistikataira. Okay, and you 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 get to this state by looking at psukim and by looking at at, at, at letters and and switching their orders around and doing tzirufim and, and and doing and doing shiluvim and doing gematria you know gematria ot and and turning things around in your mind constantly and then imagining yourself as being absorbed by these by these letters and and then you know and then you get ruach nevuah because then what happens is that something begins to bang on the keys of your awareness. 
It's like banging on a typewriter, kind of. You know, you just bang on the letters that are floating around in your mind. Okay? And and through this, you get you get results. You get results that show you Okay, that shows you deeper levels of deeper levels of Torah. By Abu Lafia, you have by Rabbeinu, <laughs> you know, Rabbeinu Avram Abu Lafia, by you know, inf- bad influence of the scholarly community on on me. You know, as I'm just talk to talk about a brilliant Rishon by you know, by using just his last name. Okay? Uh, you know, Rabbeinu Avram, he he also along with insanely deep insights that could take lifetimes to comprehend and I, you know I'm, I'm pretty good at understanding of truth things but there there's stuff in there that you, you just can't wrap your mind around practically but in addition to that there's also prophetic stuff that he that he uh, that he had you know and the, the Ruach HaKodesh was banging around in his head and he and he put forth Nevot which he thought had some predictive value so, um, so and, we're talking know, about I we're talking never, about so people I haven't I haven't learned that yeah I haven't I haven't learned those those particular far because I'm and I don't really care because I don't think it, any of it came true. Uh, what can but, I but, say? But, 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 but I think what you uh, are talking historically, about historically, what people maybe don't understand, Nelson, is that we're talking about meditation techniques, right? I think you've you've said it, but yes. I but you haven't translated it, I think, and I want people to understand we're talking about the meditative techniques that are part of the, the as, as Moshe Idel calls it, the ecstatic Kabbalah of Abu Lafia, that right. these meditation okay. techniques, and, and, and part of them, like you say, are, are actually written like little charts that you can actually zero in on. Mm-hmm. And of course, it does take, you know, you can't just be some guy who is a, a hedge fund uh, a lizard just stab someone in the back with some money thing or or just come out of you know some sort of club and just open up these books and oh I'm going to meditate obviously what you need is living a life of adherence to Torah and mitzvahs kedusha and 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 understanding the basis of what we were talking about in the last couple of weeks and then you could maybe open yourself up to these meditative techniques and you will find differences, like you say, occurring within you. Yeah. you you'll find sparks of prophecy. In, but not, but and not only not only that, you begin to see because he was amazingly, incredibly, uh, incredibly influential. He's, I think, personally, the there's a direct line going from you know going from uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Avraham through through whatever. Subterranean, they traveled until you get to Bal- to, until you get to the Balshemtov. The Balshemtov's whole vort in davening is that you have to be miached the oisius until until they compose words, and then you have to inject yourself into the words that you speak. He even he even went so far as to say that when you're davening, you you should really try to pray to the words that you have just spoken, because that's where the living presence of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu is present in a process where in these sacred letters become permutated and mixed and, and combine and 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 recycle and then you and then you get information out of it so you know in my opinion by the way the best kind of information to get out of it is Chidushe Torah okay but except that I'm I mean I'm not very fond of the idea of people coming up with their own Abu Lafi and Chidushe Torah you know because I'm I somehow have a have a feeling that it's a it's kind of like a dead end 
you know, you end up, there's so much to learn. I mean, you know, the area Kaddish use these, use these methods also. So, you know, you can, you can learn Kabbalah's Hari um, and, and, uh, and, you know, get something that you know is good instead of you can sit around and, and do your, you know, play, play your own game and, and, and get something which, you know, who knows what the quality of it is. So I'm not such a great fan of people using, people using Abu Lafia in meditation in order to, in order to conjure up their own, their own divri Torah. Mm-hmm. But it certainly, I mean, it certainly does something. It's not bad. I mean, it gives you, it gives you insight. There's no question about it. Oh, so, right. And just to add to that, I, I, I think my Shidel in that all-nighter that I had with him uh, mentioned to me about how when they discovered um, these, this Abulafian manuscript that some of the first people who came to Hebrew U wherever it was ensconced were, you know, were Chassidish or Perusha Yerushalayim who came to look at the manuscript and to be misboned on it and to use it uh, as part of what, what would have been their methods. So, so I think just to, you know, to cut to the point that, you know, I started this sort of rambling discussion with is that despite the fact that Abu Lafia has been sort of based on, you know, the Rashba's, um, as you mentioned, Cherem, and I should also mention how the Rashba, although was the post-Sekador and really the incredible inheritor of the Ramban's uh, uh, Shita in, in learning, uh, the Teres Habayas is, is, is probably one of the greatest halachic works ever produced. I know you're someone who, 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 is, who understands that, um, but he was not someone who um, was uh, conversant or at least in any way indicating a, a connection to the Kabbalistic or the mystical system of his Rebbe, the Ramban. So when the Rashba comes out against uh, what, what, what Abu Lafi is doing, um, it, it, it in many ways puts him out of the Machna for, for most, right? And, and yet, mm-hmm. and especially as his messianic um, hopes were dashed, many people see well, him his, as... His prophetic pretensions. Yes, to be the number. So, the mess, so he becomes... Uh, in many ways, marginalized and only rediscovered by the Haskola uh, in the 18th century and the 19th century as this uh, tragic figure who was trying to do things. But yet, what you're saying is is that his ideas, his writings, always had a We're great life. Always there. They're always around. The minute the minute you the minute you learn a little bit of him, you see the people who follow in his footsteps. Let's 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 just say the Balmagala Amukais. Okay, which I don't know. The, the same tone of voice, the same. It's a book, but you know, the same tone of voice, the same, the same way of expression, and you know, and it just it just pops up all over the place. You can't, you know, you can't you can't not see it once you once you've seen it. Which, right? which I guess goes to show you that you are able to, um, you know, as the Gemara says about Rav Meir and Acher, you are able to be Zorik, uh, the Klipa, and you are able to zero in on the pre. And with Abu Lafia, because of the 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 external uh, condemnations that occurred, if that, I don't know if that term is, is is correct, but the external pushing them off on the side, they had to be very careful. And they, the the manuscripts were probably preserved and copied throughout the generations by these mystics. Absolutely. But you know, people didn't realize the, who the author was. 
So I guess here's where there you go. I mean, look, he's he's quoted he's excuse me he's quoted extensively in the Pardes, but the Pardes, being a smart man, leaves off the name. So even though he's quoting uh, word for word, so I, I think what this phenomenon is, as as we talk about the sociology of 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 of, of religious Jewish movements and of especially of men of you know such such interesting. Uh, Aspects like Abulafia, Rabram Abulafia, Rabbeinu, you know, I will say for your sake. He was very from. He was so from you wouldn't believe. Him. Yes, I I understand that. But what there's, I'm saying there's is, you're a Shemayim that comes just pouring out of the pages. So what I'm saying is, I think opinion, that you know? yeah. So, but that might be a, a template for others who part of them was wrong, part of them may had erred, part of them. And yet the other part not only can be salvaged, but can actually be disseminated and used. And again, I'm not going to go as far. I'm not going to say anything heretical here and say, let's look at Nathan of Gaza. Let's look at Nasan Azati, you know, because he clearly was not, um, you know, we're going to call him a mushkas because of what he was supporting. But maybe there's other uh, ones out there. There's other mukubolim out there who have parts of their, their thought and a good sense of their thought that shouldn't be smeared with this ugly brush of, of, of well, like what they wanted to do, but actually let's find their, their essence. I'm going to talk, you know, again, I, I think that, and maybe I'm, I'm completely off here, and, and maybe neither of us can, we need to bring someone else in on this, but, you know, Ruff Cook himself, right? I mean, we know that... Um, you know, is Rav Kook Satzal, uh, as far as I'm concerned, could we also say that there's, can we say, well, this is probably incorrect, you know, what he was trying, this is part of the Rav Kook ideas that are probably beyond the pale and didn't happen, but there's still a great essence here, which maybe still needs to be studied. You, I mean, you, you bring up so many things, by the way, that, that it's almost impossible to, to, to respond to them all. Okay. Listen, Rav Cook was heavily censored. Okay. Because, because the, you know, he, he sat in his little room also feeling Ruach Nevoah. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that I have any evidence, at least so far as I've seen that he was, that he was doing Abu Lafian type, uh, type practices. Okay, I don't, but he definitely was machzik from himself as being a person possessed by ruach nevuah, and much much of the stuff that he wrote, he wrote under under that kind of influence, which is why it suddenly some of it is so, you know, it's like it's like the spirit blowing across the universe. It's very, you know, he's very like that. Um, I'll call I'll call Ponim, The original notebooks were suppressed for for years. I mean, they've only recently been published under the under the name Shmaya Kvatsim. Right. And they were they were issued. Whatever came out from Rav Cook was issued in several redactions. One of them was 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 done by Rav Tzvi the Cook, and the other one was done by his by his Talmud the Nazir of David of David Cohen. Right. And and the Rav Nazir and Rav Tzvi Yehuda had very different attitudes about what the whole point of learning Rav Kook was and what what the whole you know like what's, what's the whole thing about. This also goes back, by the way, to the to the concept of practical Kabbalah versus uh, versus meditative or speculative or mystical mystical Kabbalah, right? Because that's really that's really kind of like the the machlekes between between Rav Tzvi Yehuda and 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 the Nazir. Okay, so in other words, Rav Tzvi Yehuda is pushing for this to actually 
reveal Make itself within yes. the actual physical world. Right. Which which which, bring, which brings me to a point that I think is really worth worthwhile making. I don't, you know, if you go to Makubalim before the modern era, some of them were involved in fixing the universe. Most of them, I think, were not directly involved with fixing the universe. They figured that if I do Torah mitzvahs, the whole point of doing Torah mitzvahs is just to lift up the fallen sparks, and when all the fallen sparks are lifted up, then the universe is then the universe is rectified. So it, you know, I don't have to I don't have to do things intentionally to fix the universe. And you had other mekubalim that were actively trying to bring Mashiach by by doing kavanas. And and look, the truth is that we all all of us try to actively bring Mashiach by doing kavanas. You daven for you know you daven with kavana. You know, what is that other than a mystical method of trying to bring Mashiach? Okay, but it's a mystical method, not a practical method. And and the the idea is is that if you if you do it right or if you do it wholeheartedly or if you or if you do it and Hashem responds to you, then then you change the world. But it's not you know it's it's not like you're doing anything to change the world. Right, we're not going to Rome or whatever the modern day version would be, or, or to try to actually change the facts on the ground, storming anything. But um, you know, a very, very, very few people did, by the way. Okay, um, you know, there was Rabbi Shlomo Molcho, uh, who was like the Bet Yosef, Bet Yosef, Marana Bet Yosef, his friend from his from his from his younger years, who who you know went. He also tried to like convert the Pope and and got himself almost killed by the by the uh, by the Inquisition. Because he was actually a Murano, so someone could make the claim that he should have been, you know, that he was actually a Christian and they, defined as a Christian by the church, which meant that you could be pro- prosecuted by the Inquisition. The Inquisition didn't prosecute the Eden, okay? Because right. we never we never accepted upon ourselves to be Christians. But if you but if you accepted upon yourself to be Christian, then you changed your mind. Then they could then they could come after you. So that's mm. that's what they. Anyway, I'll call I'll call Pony, um, the Rabshlomo Molcho. Uh, got himself almost killed by by the uh, Inquisition. He got out of their prison or their dungeon by some sort of nisei nisim that, like the you know, the Pope came and let him out and snuck him out through an underground tunnel or something. But he kept it up. He kept on his agitations, and then he, then he went to Austria and uh, I believe to Vienna. And there he did some more agitations, and there they they grabbed him and they killed him and they burnt him. And his entire life, you know. Uh, Reb, uh, the Habet Yosef, you know, Rabbi Yosef Caro was jealous. I want to burn. Oh, next, I, that guy wants to burn in the, on, at the stake. Al Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Yisraelam, let me let me fulfill my dream. Anyway, the you know uh, the, the Beis Yosef died at the age of like ninety three in his in his bed with uh, you know with actually a much younger woman. Uh, that he'd married and had a child with. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I mean, he had a good life. He had a very good long uh-huh. life in an age when, when there's, you know, enough craziness there to undo a lot of people. Um, and, 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 you know, we should probably have another discussion because this one has to wind down we but we, about yeah. the Beit Yosef's uh, Kabbalistic intensities. Um, uh, and, and 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 we'll talk about that. We haven't, we haven't even scratched the surface with Abu Lafi, but what I do what I do want to tell you is that there's I believe a 20th century phenomenon, or maybe an 18th to 20th century phenomenon, or a 19th to 20th century phenomenon, which which happens due to the revolutionary movements that have cropped up in Europe. 
And the idea of revolution now is very enticing. And it's not just enticing to, to you know, to unreligious Jews or to, or to stump, you know, workers of the world unite. Okay, it's, it's enticing to all intellectual people. And there's just like a feeling like we cannot continue anymore to, to play around with our bowl of noodles, you know, while, while we have a real opportunity to change the world. And so things, things move, there, there becomes a, an understanding of Kabbalah, which its purpose is to give you a blueprint for acting in the world and making a difference, not for sitting around and meditating and kvetching and saying, oh, everybody, you should bring Mashiach, Aleph, Gimel, Dalet, Hevav, Zayin, Ches, Tes, Dalet, Hevav, and it's also Shmois, Kodesh, and all sorts of things, you know. Um, which which they which which they did previously is it's it's leave all that contemplation meditation leave all of that abulafian stuff figure out what the kabbalah means because the kabbalah is going to give you a blueprint for how to change reality and then the only way that you can change reality is by actually getting out there and doing it so so from here you have the emergence of some some uh, some practical practical tzionishkeit uh, you know some religious tzionishkeit Certainly, Rabbi Cook comes from this comes from this uh, way of thinking, and in Rav Tzvi Yehuda's take on Rabbi Cook on Rav, on Rav Cook, what he tries to present is Rav Cook as the as the roadmap of how to establish Medinat Yisrael and how to transform the world through you know through establishing Medinati Yisrael and, and and promoting its its well-being and fighting in its wars and, and setting up its society with the assumption being that if you set up Medinati Yisrael now okay that's going to have a spillover effect and transform and transform the world so that which is why Rav, Rav, Rav Kook could rejoice and celebrate the mysterious nefesh of the of the uh of the uh, Chalutzim who had no religion to speak of. They were actually, you know, mostly very extremely anti-religious, but he saw them as a holy force in the world because they were going to do, they were going to do Medina Sisroel. And, and really only they could, because I mean, you know, the Frum, the Frum people could not be relied upon uh, to have enough gumption, so to speak, or have enough uh, uh, fortitude to actually do something revolutionary. But here, here are these people who, who don't have anything, they're Kaifrim. And they're and by any by any reasonable stretch they're rishoyim, but through them Hakadosh Baruch is going to establish the Medina, and when the Medina gets to a particular level of development, it's going to become a vehicle for Gilu Shechina, and then it's going to, then Mashiach is going to come, and then the world is going to change dramatically, and everything is going to. And that was, I believe, I'm pretty sure that I'm right about that. That was that was Rav, that was Rav Cook's vision. And and I think one, he might, one might say that that was also a prophecy that didn't come true. I think especially just, after, especially some, especially after the the you know they gave up the in Aza, there was a very strong feeling amongst a lot of elements of Tzionidati that that you know we couldn't rely any longer on on uh, on Rav Cook's roadmap because it's because the the actual uh, events in the world seem to be actually. Pushing back contrary on that. to right, push back yeah. on that. You know, yeah. and I, I would say also a lot of people who say that no, the roadmap, the roadmap is still viable. It's still here. We just haven't. We just don't have the perspective that's that's long enough into the future to to judge how it's going to come to pass. I think part of the uh, you know again, Rav Cook again deserves and Rabbi Varma they all deserve a lot more than the thirty or forty minutes that we 
and just schmooze about them. But I, I think that part of it is, um, you know, is, is the idea um, that, um, uh, uh, that we've been talking about. I think, you know, Gershon Sholem, just to end with this, Gershon Sholem talks about uh, how Chassidus was different than some of the original students of the Ari. And one of the things he says is that there was a neutralization of messianism in the Hasidic, uh, some of the original uh, Hasidic Rebbes, whether it's the Toldis or the Magid or others, there was an emphasis of individual Geula uh, happening mm-hmm. within the human nefesh, as opposed to speaking about, you know, the Geula happening everywhere. And, you know, and, and Sholem, of course, I think argued this case with Martin Buber and, and a number of articles. Uh, I, you know, my feeling is, based on my reading of Chassidish Svarim, is that Sholem is is mostly right as far as that goes. I'm not saying that the that people like the the, the Chernobyl and others didn't have a hope, a very real hope, that this change internally would lead to a Hizgalus of uh, the Yemaisa Mashiach very quickly, but they felt that they needed to buckle down and work on the the kilkulim that were happening within human beings, that they needed to, to to use these kabbalistic principles that are the that are the power behind Hasidic Shatira and use them to change and create a redemption within so many of the tortured, broken individuals um, who were being pushed around because of sociological reasons, who were depressed and hurt uh, because of other reasons. Um, and, and I think that we need to perhaps use that type of tikkun, especially when things aren't happening the way they should, and things people are, are, are upset about what they're seeing in the outside world, to maybe, uh, to maybe go inward and use these yeah. methods of fixing ourselves making ourselves strong, making ourselves happy <laughs> and being able to deal with a reality that doesn't necessarily match what we hoped reality to be. And if, if, if everybody can be on board in that way, I think that then the, the, we won't feel acute. <laughs> we won't feel, hey, it's not happening the way we want it to be because we're working on ourselves and now there could be a real achdus that could perhaps lead to the next step. I don't know. Perhaps what I'm saying is somewhat simplistic, but I think, you know, I, I think, think no, I think, I think you're, I think you're really on the ball. I just, I just want, would want to remind you, you know, that Shabtai Tzvi was a mystical movement, not a pragmatic movement. You know, his, like, you know, his, his idea was, I'm going to sit here in this, in this jail cell. I'm going to do all sorts of Yehudim. Maybe I'm going to do some other less uh, salute, you know, less, uh, uh, less wholesome activities. Who knows what he, you know, who knows what he was up to, but in, but in the end, you know, it's going to be we're going to change the world through davening a lot, and and um, and um, you know, we're going to change the world through davening and 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 through and through meditating, and then Mashiach is going to come and everything is going to be revealed. It wasn't it wasn't a practical movement to change the world based upon kabbalistic principles. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.